You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 9, and I read from the Good News Translation. And if you wanted to follow along with today's reading, it's on page 222 of the Pew Bibles that are before you in the New Testament portion. Let us hear these words from the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, my brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as I talk to people who have the Spirit. I had to talk to you as though you belong to this world, as children in the Christian faith. I had to feed you milk and not solid food because you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it because you still live as people of, as this world live. When there is jealousy among you and quarreling with one another, doesn't this just prove that you belong to this world living by its standards? When one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like worldly people? After all, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? We are simply God's servants by whom you were led to believe. Each one of us does the work which the Lord gave him to do. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plant, but it was God who made the plant grow. The one who plants and the one who waters really do not matter. It is God who matters because God makes the plant grow. There is no difference between the man who plants and the man who waters. God will reward each one according to the work that has been done. For we are partners working together for God and you are God's field. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. My friend and colleague in ministry, Pastor Kyle Reinhiller, used to preach the bravest children's sermons that I have ever seen because Pastor Kyle had a mystery box. And each week he would send the mystery box home with a family and in theory they would bring it back with a mystery item in the mystery box for the children's sermon the next week. This requires a level of creativity and quick wit that I can only aspire to someday obtain. It came to pass that I was in worship with him one time as he was was the the, the preacher in Burke, um, and it was time for the children's sermon, and out of the box, he pulled a jersey, a football jersey. And after a few moments of thinking, Pastor Kyle started to talk about the names on that jersey. He looked at the back of the jersey because as with most jerseys, the backs had the last names of the players on it. And then he got the kids talking about what would be on the back of their own jerseys, which is their last name. And outside of siblings and other relationship, other relation, each jersey would have a different name on it, right? I brought this example from the, uh, from the Indianapolis Colts because I just couldn't pass it up. The point that Kyle was trying to make, though, is that on the front of the jersey, every single jersey had the same word, the team name on it. 
And his point was that in our Christian faith, as in team sports, it is more important to play for the name on the front of the jersey than that on the back. Because it is the name on the front of that jersey that holds us together. No matter if it was Bulldogs, because we were in Burke and they're the Bulldogs, or the Wildcats, or even the Seahawks. But what I find so interesting is that sometimes the name on the front of the jersey can create a legacy all its own. This fall, the 1963 Canton Seahawk football team was inducted into the Canton Community Hall of Fame. And there are a lot of names on that team. Names like Bong and Van Bockern and Suter and Johnson and Anderson. And they are all great athletes, and they were all very important to the team's success. But the thing that made them the most successful was the name on the front of their jersey, the Seahawks. They were playing together as one team, and that year they were the best team in the state. As we read this scripture from 1 Corinthians, we read about a church that is creating a legacy with the name on the back of their jerseys in mind. Because the church in Corinth had this ongoing, this ongoing issue and this nagging custom of breaking into factions. As we read the book of 1 Corinthians, as we read Paul's letter, we learn that they have broken down into those that are rich and those that are poor. They've broken down into those that are inside of the church and those who are outside of the church, those who belong and those who don't, in their minds at least. And what we read in our scripture, as what we read throughout the entire letter, is that they have also broken into factions based upon which church leader introduced them to the faith or baptized them. In the introduction to the letter, Paul reports what he has been told, that they're breaking into factions, saying that some of them belong to Paul, and some of them belong to Apollos, and some of them belong to Peter. And I just got to say that those make for odd-looking jerseys. But it's not shocking, based on all that we know about the Corinthian church. And so it is into these divisions and these competing interests that Paul writes to correct the Corinthians. He writes in the, introdu in the introduction to the letter, he writes that he knows this conflict is happening, that they are splintering into these factors, and then he gives thanks to God that he didn't baptize any of those Corinthian people except for the ones that he did so that they have no claim to him. But then in our scripture for this morning, he makes it even more stark. He says that none of them should be building a legacy based on Paul or Peter or Apollos or anybody else short of Jesus Christ himself. Because he writes, who is Paul? Who is Apollos, one of, his, uh, one of the other missionaries in his evangelistic network? Who is Peter? These are all amazing people who left gigantic legacies of faithfulness. They are all examples that we would do well to emulate in our own lives. But they are not the foundation of a legacy of faithfulness. 
They are only those who are doing, by the way, what we are all doing, which is using the gifts that God has given us in order to build upon a foundation that God laid in the first place. They are nothing more than vessels, and we are nothing more than vessels at the right time that are willing to be used for God's purposes. I like the way that Norman Madsen writes this in his commentary on this passage. He says that Paul came among them initially and spoke the good news. And then came Apollos who reaffirmed all that Paul proclaimed. But neither Paul nor Apollos gave them spiritual insight and clarity. It is only God who can speak and touch the heart of individuals. It is only God who can call people to believe. It is only God who can provide spiritual growth. And so it is that Paul planted. So it is that Apollos watered. But it was God who caused and continues to cause the seed of the gospel to take root and grow. Only God does that. Paul can't, Apollos couldn't, I can't, Steve can't, y'all can't, only God. And so notice with me that Paul is not calling the Corinthian church to make a bunch of jerseys that say Corinthian cardinals. Again, it makes for a weird jersey. Paul is not calling the church to hometown pride. Paul is calling the church to something bigger. Paul is calling the church to aim higher. Because Paul writes that it is only God who matters. And that means that Paul is willing to let everything else go. Paul is willing to let his own ego and recognition go. Paul is willing to abandon his own feeling of personal success. Paul is willing to forego his statistical contribution to the kingdom of God as long as it leads to one more person finding the gospel of Jesus Christ as life-changing as he did. And he invites the Corinthians to do the same. And not only them, but you and me and all of us who seek to live a Christian life. So the question becomes, how? How do we build this kind of a legacy? How do we build on the foundation that God has already laid? How do we live a legacy that's going to last not just in our own lifetime, but throughout all eternity? the best thing I can say to that is to get on the right team. To put on the right jersey. And play for the name on the front of the jersey rather than the back. And I hate to tell you that it's not a Seahawk jersey. It's not even a South Dakota jersey. It's not even a Canton United Methodist Church jersey. But it's God's. Because it is, as Paul has written, it is only God who matters. That's whose team we're on. And friends in Christ, we get on that team by submitting our lives, submitting our wills, submitting our futures to God. 
We pray for discernment, we pray for direction, and we remain open to the promptings of the Spirit. But we get on God's team by being ready and willing to do whatever it takes to advance God's will, even over and above our own. It means working for God's future, God's future of the church, working with the kingdom of God in mind. And it means laying down our need to be right. Laying down our need to be better. Laying down our need to be first. So that we may rather love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. We get on God's team when we are willing to build a legacy that reflects God and God's word that is willing to give of our time, talent, and treasure in order to live the way that God intends for us to live. To live as peacemakers. To live as those that feed the hungry and care for widows and orphans, those that heal the sick, and those that are hope for the world that the world has deemed the least, the last, and the lost. This, my friends, is kingdom living. This, my friends, is a kingdom legacy. This is how we build upon a foundation laid by Jesus, laid, built upon by the apostles, built upon the saints of the church and the saints of our lives. And so the question for us becomes this, will we continue to build this same kind of legacy Will we join the project that God is up to and work alongside of him and work alongside God's directions so that the future may know of God's loving and saving and life-changing power? Friends, let us put on the right jersey. Let us get on the right team. And let us continue to build a legacy of faithfulness that goes even further. May it be so. As we bring this message to a close, let us join in words of responsive prayer that will be on the screen for you this morning. Oh God, it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the entire church mission. No set of goals or objectives includes absolutely everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planting, knowing that they hold a future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker.
We are workers, not master builders. We are ministers, not messiahs. We are the prophets of the future, not our own. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.